podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to an episode of Zero Ducks Daily. And of course, Stephen Finn isn't here because he's far too big time for us. And now he's gallivanting around working for rival podcasts. But don't worry, you've got the two most beloved, most popular stars of the podcast. Mm. Myself, Toby Tarrant and Mr. Daniel Norcross are here at the end of the first day of the fourth test in this wonderful Ashes series. And Australia finished on 299 for eight. And it was a, another fascinating day's play and a bit of a weird one. And... Um, I'll explain why in just a sec. We'll also talk about the fact that Stuart Broad took his 600th test wicket, which is a ridiculous achievement. Um, but first of all, Daniel, the reason I say that it's a bit of a weird one is England kind of bowled dross a lot of the time, but also found the time to bowl several very good wicket-taking deliveries. But I think Chris Wokes aside, who was excellent and took four wickets, I thought everyone bowled a bit shit, but everyone sort of bowled that wicket-taking ball, apart from poor Jimmy, who actually bowled better than the others, probably. And he can't buy a wicket at the minute. There was edges dropping shorts and inside edges missing the stuff. But yeah, what did you make of it, Dan? Because from my my very comfy position on the sofa at home, I thought a lot of the time England bowled a bit shit, to be honest, but kept taking wickets when they needed to. It sort of felt a bit like that, didn't it? I think part is because the wicket's not as pacey as Headingley. So... But Wood, he was sort of bowling the same kind of deliveries he was bowling at Headingley, but they didn't go fizzing through and they didn't terrify the opposition batters in quite the same way. He did, I've got to say, he got Smith out, didn't he? He got Smith out for pace, just beat him for pace, went straight through him. He played the same shot he's played a million times before and it usually dribbles out to mid-wicket and they get a really annoying single and the commentators just go, ah, it's gone for one. Uh, when you're convinced it's going to be LBW. On this occasion, it was actually out. I thought the umpires had a pretty bad day, but failing to give that, among others. I think also Moeen Ali bowled some absolute garbage today. Lots of full tosses, and then when he tried to overcompensate, went a bit too short, but he would then bowl a decent spell. You know, it was a, it was a curate's egg of a day, wasn't it? Uh, England choosing to bowl first was the most expected thing imaginable, but they were really quite nice conditions to bat in today. So, you know, the reason I'm distracted, by the way, is because two middle-aged men are trying to snaffle all the complimentary wine, but at least one of them's coming back to my flat, so I don't mind that. That works well for me. <laughs> um, we got some free wine today. It never happens normally in a comedy It's always free cake. Um, so, yes, England, England were always going to not look magnificent because they've chosen to bowl on a good batting surface on a good day for batting. But they're doing that for two reasons, because Stokes likes to chase and because they've got to start taking those 20 wickets they need to win the game as quickly as possible. Broad, I guess, was a little disappointing. But as you say, they bowled a wonderful ball to get rid of Kawaja. It was a day of good balls and surprising interventions. There was a day of no really big partnerships. We had a great record. We were on SEN, which I'm doing with Adam Collins, Jeremy Coney and Andrew Sampson, who you'll remember from TMS from years gone by. It occurred to me that the scoreboard looked a bit weird, scorecard, that um, numbers three to six all got between 41 and 51. So I asked you if that had ever happened before. And it never has. World record. I mean... You're not really excited by that, are you? But it got us going. Well, what it does, what it does tell you, Toby, is that you can get in 
in this on this pitch. There are no terrorists, no demons. There's only one single figure score, that Kawaja against the new ball, got three, got that to a good ball. Partnerships, Marsh and Green, then Carey and Stark. And if they're putting on partnerships and looking utterly unruffled, then you would imagine that if England shows some application, dig in, play proper test match cricket, they could bat for a day and a half. But we know they won't do that. They will go completely berserk and try to get to 470 overs and then put Australia in again. It's, it, I mean, that's, that does actually sum it up rather nicely, though, as much as uh, I'm sorry that I didn't react with uh, shock and amazement. But every single time I thought Australia, oh, you know, we've chosen a bowl first, that sort of goes against convention. And they were 120 for two, but then Smith got out. Then they were 183 for three, but Labashain got out. Then they were 254 for five, but then Green got out. Every time they looked like they were on the brink or the precipice of a big mm. partnership, we took a wicket or two. It was a, it was, a, and in the end, when all the dust has settled, England would have ripped your hand off for two hundred ninety nine for eight at the start of the day. One thing I have noticed in this whole series, I've realised what what's annoying me about this Australian side. I've realised what I don't like about them. I've realised they are single handedly trying to kill Test cricket. I've realised that they're boring. Mm. They're bloody boring. You know, Basball is here. Ben Stokes and McCullum are here to save the game of Test cricket. And I look at this mm. Australia side, and they're playing conventional cricket going at less than four and over. Everyone's talking about how well Kawaja's batted this series because he's good at knowing where his off stump is. No one gives a shit about where your off stump anymore is. It's basball time, all right? <laughs> and I've realised this is such a soft cock Australian eleven they've chosen for this test match. They know mm-hmm. there's rain expected. They know they just need to draw. They've picked as much batting as they possibly can. They've got no mm-hmm. spinner playing because their theory is we just need to get through three days and then it will rain loads, and then we'll get the saddest trophy lift at the end of two days of rain ever. And I've realised it's Australian side. They're out to kill Test cricket. They, they don't care about the yeah. future of the game. And they would happily celebrate their Ashes victory in the dressing room on Sunday with it chucking it down outside. They don't give a shit about the future of the mm. game. And that's what I've realised annoys me. Um, and they've picked the most negative team in history, and it serves them right that they're eight down at the end of the first mm. day. And I think it's magnificent. Um, am I being harsh there, Daniel? Uh, yeah, deeply, and uh, you're like like every every proper Englishman. You're being magnificently hypocritical because you didn't mind when England replaced Simon Jones with Paul Collingwood in the fifth Test in two thousand and five. So nearly, and it worked worked up, whether we would have lost that as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, and also, I think you're possibly overlooking the speed at which Travis Head and Mitchell Marsh batted, which was great. Very excited to watch. But you're right; we did have to endure. Marnus Labashane. In fairness to Australia, you know, Steve Smith did his absolute best to get out hooking his first ball. And had Mark Wood actually been on the boundary, would have been out for a duck first ball. What was he thinking of? That was an incredible moment. We have also seen, you know, because although broadly speaking, you're right, today was about, well, it's about a couple of other things as well, wasn't it? It was about Stuart Broad getting 600 wickets, which, I mean, at the start of this series, did anybody really think the leading serious wicket take would be Stuart Broad that he'd be playing all four matches and although he looked not quite his sharpest today you'd say he was still good enough to pick up two wickets wasn't he uh, which he's done every time with, with sort of metronomic reliability throughout this series and Johnny Bairstow took a worldie I mean no one else saw that coming they all after everybody goes on and on about yeah where's Ben folks where's Ben folks well who needs Ben folks when he can dive across 
first slip, take the ball an inch off the ground, and then get up on your haunches like a six-month-old child that has just heard that there's food coming for him. He looked so excited, didn't he, as he sat on the ground with his arms wide apart. Oh, food! It was kind of bizarre. He looked was a great bloody adorable when he took that catch. I, he did, didn't it he? Was a, bloody it was adorable. a wonderful catch. It was a wonderful catch. A little part of me felt like he was going completely the wrong way and that made it an excellent catch. I can't help but feel that if Alex Carey was behind the stumps there, it would have been the most regulation catch ever. Well, but doesn't change the fact that it looked bloody good. And also, he was, you're right, absolutely adorable. The, and, you know, I'd like somebody with Photoshop skills to replace his England cricket cap with just a little baby's bonnet and a rattle because he looked so happy <laughs> on, the, on the ground celebrating that catch. But, I mean, Stuart Broad, you touched on it there, but 600 wickets. I'm sure we'll do this in much more detail when Stephen Finn finally turns up to talk about it. But it was well, fitting what, is he, that, what, does he, what does he know about taking 600 well, wickets? Well, exactly. Doesn't know, what it's take, doesn't know what it's like to take 200 test wickets, let alone 600. Mm. But um, it very fitting that it was an important wicket in the Ashes. Stuart Broad, I mean, the, the thing that's great about him, him and Anderson are so similar and so different in so many ways. Jimmy's this sort of metronomic, he sort of bowls 25 overs, three for 60. And Stuart Broad's a sort of mercurial guy like today where he actually went at nearly five and over but took two very important wickets. But the thing about Stuart Broad is the game is always exciting when he's either batting or bowling. There's never a dull moment. You know, Stokes likes to use this phrase a lot in this era about they're always moving the game along. Well, I don't think there's any cricketer in history has moved the game along more than Stuart Broad because he's either bowling a spell that's unplayable or he's bowling a spell where he looks actually very, very average and goes for a few runs. And if he's batting, he doesn't hang around. He is exactly the sort of cr cricketer that if we're going to save Test cricket, he's, is he one of the yeah. most exciting, entertaining cricketers of all time, Daniel? Well, yes, he is. And it's not just about what he does with the ball or doesn't do with the ball or indeed bat. It's you, If you watch him in the field, he's always reacting to something. He's always oohs and ahs. And, uh, yeah, there's a lovely moment today when Stark came out to bat and Carey denied a single. He didn't take the single because he didn't want to expose Stark, the strike. And the first person up to Stark, of course, was Stuart Broad. Asking him, you know, how do you feel about that then? <laughs> shielded, are you? I mean, he's just always there being chippy and annoying. <laughs> I imagine if you're playing against him, you would detest him. And that's why if he's on your team, you absolutely adore him. Because we all need, we always need to have that annoying, annoying bastard on your team, don't you? Yeah, if ever there was a man made for Ashes cricket, it's him. And you're right, talk about his reactions. In the last over of the day, or penultimate over of the day, Jimmy Anderson bowled one that Stark very nearly chopped onto his stumps. And Stuart Broader mid-off was hands on head, disbelief, shock. He's he's always involved in the game. I, he's just, he's been an absolute joy to watch and he's not done yet. But yeah, he's um, top wicket taker of the series, he's bowled beautifully. He's just a different animal when the Aussies are uh, the opposition. All right, Daniel, well, it's lovely to see you. Go and enjoy your free wine. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to um, Jeremy Cody, Jared Kimber, and myself are considering going to a local Portuguese restaurant up the road today. And then we're going to, you know, have an early night, take it Lovely. easy. Because we've not been so much burning the candle at both ends as applying a, a blowtorch to the middle. So it's probably time that we uh, chilled out a bit. Right. Well, um, famous last words. I'll tell you what, if yeah. you're not too shit faced, Make a note of what time you go. <laughs> make a note of what time you go to bed, and I'll remind you of the time that you said at seven o'clock. We're just going to take it easy tonight, okay? <laughs> I'll give it a whirl. 
Oh, oh just one, one, one final thing. Chris Wokes. Oh, what a lovely man. Where's he been? Where's oh. he been? Isn't if he, he played at Lords, we this series would be wrapped up by now. But hey, but hey. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But, uh, bowl beautifully. Right. See you tomorrow when England will be about 400 for naught overnight. See you in a bit. Yeah, I reckon. Okay. Cheers. See you in a bit. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.